the first things of God. The first things of God. Well, yesterday, our uh, Ripple Effect Leadership Meeting happened. I mean, most of you from London were not able to make it, but lady was able to come. I'm praying that, I mean, we will not allow changes in circumstances, especially weather. And then, I mean, it's very easy to give excuses when it comes to the things of God. But please, let us remember that we are living sacrifice to be put on the altar of God. So when it comes that you have to sacrifice a little bit of your comfort for the things of Christ, let it be one of the first things that you do. As we are studying, let's learn to put the kingdom first. And God will glorify himself in our lives. All throughout history, there has never been any convenient time where people have done things for God. There have never been. And if you are waiting for a convenient time, there will never be any convenient time. Because history and time is ticking. And we got to do our part now that it is our time. Let's do our part so that the kingdom will move into the hearts of men and God will bring many into the saving knowledge of Jesus. It is your time. It is my time. Once we are breathing, once we are able to move about, it's an indication that we are in the kingdom in such a time as this for a reason. So let us meet God in what he is doing in our generation so that his glory will manifest in our lives. I mean, the Northampton, I mean, uh, church, they were represented largely in their numbers. Uh, they were quite, and because I've added more of the leaders, and all of them were able to come. And uh, we, we had a very wonderful time, I mean, in the presence of God. And I strongly believe that if, if God permits, and I mean, December we do it, you quickly mark it in your calendar. I mean, like I always say, prepare yourself and let's all meet and fellowship in the presence of God. God is using ordinary things to do great things. When ordinary people get into the hands of God, they become extraordinary. May God bring the extraordinary out of your ordinariness. You are ordinary. But when God comes in, you become extraordinary. And that is why we are meeting. That is why we are spending time in his presence. So that the extra will be added to our commonhood. So that something great can happen through us. Let's uh, go to Matthew. In bringing this uh, study to an end, I think last two weeks, I... I I did, I mean, the first part, and I want us to, I mean, finish it. So let's go to Matthew. Matthew, last two weeks we read that Jesus Christ should be preeminent in our lives. And, yeah, yeah this time I want us to go to Matthew, which is going to reinforce the first place of God in our lives. Let's read Matthew 22. We are reading from verse 34 to 38. I always say that we are using Zoom, but please remember this is a full-fledged service. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are here. So please make sure that anytime that 
We come, you have you, you come with your Bibles, with your notepads, and you sit down and take your notes as you would do in church. If you do it special, God will also meet you in a special place because this is an altar that we are raising unto God. We're raising an altar unto God. In few weeks, I, I will let us always, we will connect you to Facebook so that whilst we are doing our service, it will be on Facebook as well. So please, let's make sure that we treat it very special. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 38. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. For you first loved us. You did not keep the best thing in your kingdom away from us. You have given your best. So we also desire that the best in us, the best in our time, the best in our strength, the best in our energy, the best in our resources, the best in our activities will be granted and placed on the altar for you so that your honor will be seen that out of our sacrifice will rise up the birth of new lives of people who will be filled with the life of Jesus. Our world is in confusion. Our world is being thrown apart because few have come to know the light that shines in you. Father, where the light shines, darkness cannot comprehend it. So all the activities of darkness that is engulfing our world, we pray, my Lord and my God, that the light that you have ignited in us will be found into flames, that those who are in darkness will see a glimmer of hope through the light that you have ignited in our hearts and draw them to your bleeding side and save them from the chains and the shackles of the enemy. Peace will prevail only through the spread of your light. We thank you that you have counted as faithful to be the bearer of your lights. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us once again to fan our lights into flames. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's read from verse 34. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 38. He says, But when the Pharisees Heard that he has silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and Great commandment. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the custodians of the law. The only thing that separated the two of them is that the Sadducees did not believe in spirits. They did not believe in miracles. They did not believe in resurrection. And they did not believe that there were, I mean, uh, let's say ghosts and anything that comes from, I mean, the celestial realm. But the Pharisees were those who were very strict people who adhered themselves to the laws of God. And their primary desire was about, I mean, following God, debating according to what has been written. So they 
were exalting, I mean, the letter over the spirit. Note it carefully. The letter must not be lifted over the spirit. But that is what they were doing. So they were more concerned about outward appearance. The outward appearance. How you appear outwardly. Let's say the way you dress, the way... So their emphasis was on this to the point that to the point that they added a lot of laws which were not prescribed by God to the Ten Commandments, which was very, very, very horrible and very bad. I'm having some feedback. I don't know where it's coming from. Amen. Hello. Hello. Yes, there's some feedback. Fine, it is good now. It's better. You see, so they added a lot to the law, which was not given by God. God gave them ten commandments. They added a lot to make it what we call six hundred and fourteen. That is in the Talmud. They added so many things which didn't mean anything to God. So when they heard that, when they heard that God has silenced their counterpart, the Sadducees, who did not believe in spirits, they also came and their question was about the law. But then Jesus told them that the most important thing is to make sure that the totality of your being places God first. The most important thing that you put God first in everything that you do. Somebody say amen. amen. Please, you see, it doesn't matter how much we talk or the, the language we use. When it comes to practical deeds and if we don't put God first, then it means that we are worshipping God with mere words, but there is no action. It is action. It is what we do that proves that what we are saying, we genuinely believe it. So we need to back our words by action. So Jesus made it crystal clear here that put God first in everything. So he said in your heart, in your mind and in your strength. That means in everything, the strength symbolizes whatever we do. And because whatever we do starts from the mind, that is where the motor action starts from. He says, in your mind. Somebody say, I'm, and in your heart, that is where your spirit is. If Jesus is in his place in the deep recesses of our hearts, in our minds, he will be first, and then in our actions, he will be first. So you remember when we did last two weeks, we said that we must put God first. And in, in so doing, Jesus spoke the word of God to us by saying that to do that, these are the practical things that you need to do. The first is that he says we should cleanse the inside of the cup. The cup there is the inside of our lives or the inside of our hearts. The sum total of what we think about. The sum total of the things that are hidden in us. He says that we must make that first clean. 
Do you know that if you clean the inside, the outside also will be clean? So we saw that in Matthew 23, verse 26. We've done that already. Second, we said we must remove the beam or the lock that is in our eyes so that we can see clearly. That means don't go about condemning and judging people. The slightest thing you hear about people, you put them down, you speak bad things about them. It's because you are not seeing clearly. If you see clearly, you see that your life needs more correction than those that you are trying to condemn. In other words, he says that judge yourself first. Assess yourself first before you try to assess others. And then we, we, we went on to say that if we have any sacrifice, anything we want to do for God, he says we must have peace with our brothers and this is where we reached. And I want to finish with the next four. And I believe that God will give us great, I mean, understanding of his word. Remember, these are the first practical things that if you do, it shows that you are putting God first in your life. The first things of God in our lives as we walk with him. The fourth is that God says we should give ourselves first to God. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. If, Amen. if Amen. you don't give yourself fully to God, whatever you do doesn't mean anything in the sight of God. God needs you as a living sacrifice. He needs you first before anything else will follow. Don't keep yourself away to yourself. Because he says that if you keep your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life to him, he will preserve it for you. Because when we forget and we don't have the ability to sustain ourselves, he's the only one who watches over us. We sleep even watching over ourselves. But he that watches over you does not sleep nor slumber. That is why he says give yourself first. And this is found in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. He says, Moreover, brethren, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and in their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Liberality means given. For I bear witness that according to their abilities, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first, noted, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to God by the will of God. Please first, before we can do anything that is meaningful in Christianity, in our work with God, we must make sure that we give ourselves first. Remember, you are three in one. So we're talking of your spirit, your soul, and your body. Totally, you put everything of yourself wholly unto God and say, God, I'm a sacrifice for you. I don't owe anything to myself. 
Everything I have belongs to you. I am on your altar, Lord. Use me as it seems good to you. They first gave themselves. I'm not going to digress and go into what they were going through. If you look at what they were going through, they could have had reasons to keep themselves to themselves. They were going through serious trials. That means great persecution was happening against them. They were in great hardship financially. They were in poverty. But they did not look at those things. Do you know that at times there are so many people, when things are not going well, when they are going through tough times, or when they are going through trials, when they are going through trials, no, it's not from here. It's one of us, but it's okay. Let's continue. Once you can hear me, it's all right. Because I've turned, I've turned my speaker off, but it's still coming. So it's not from here. Amen. Amen. So you see, they were in great trials. They were in persecution. They were in poverty. They were in hardships. But in spite of that, they were totally committed to God. Be committed to God. Give yourself first. Let God be first in all your life. Because God needs you first. Before anything that comes from you can be meaningful. Today, I see a lot of people, everybody want to uh, be a preacher. Everybody want to, I mean, but, but what God needs is you. If you keep yourself, I see on social media, so many people, there's so much noise, but little impact. So much noise, but little impact. Because there are so many people, they have not first given themselves fully to God. But they want to go about telling people how they should serve God. No. You have to give yourself first. And out of that, God will reveal the deep things of himself to you. This thing that we are doing, it is not just a game. This is spiritual warfare. This is not a game. Yes, there is the fun side. But still, let us go beyond the fun side. Amen. Amen. You know, in the Bible, there were these people who saw, I mean, after Jesus has been casting out demons, and then, I mean, uh, they saw, I mean, uh, Peter and they saw Paul also casting out demons. And then they also, the Bible says that certain vagabonds who were the sons of Sceva, note it, not, I'll preach it another time. But it says, they took upon themselves. They did what? They took upon themselves. That means they, they were not qualified in the spirit to do what they wanted to do. They took upon themselves. So when they took upon themselves to go and cast out demons from people, the demons challenged them. The demons said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? This thing is not a game. Mention the name of Jesus is easy. It's on the lips. Everybody can just, but then please give yourself. I will teach it at an appropriate time so that we go through the process. Be willing to be trained. Be willing to be discipled. Be willing to receive a hand of God laid upon you so that you go through the process. You go through the apprenticeship and then God himself will empower you and release you so that you will be full of the strength of God. 
That is why Jesus says, give yourself wholly first to God. And let God handle you the way he wants. He will break you, he will mold you, he will fill you, then he will present you. There is a process to everything in life. I always use this simple thing. Even food we eat has a process. Yes. The little thing as things we do in the kitchen. If you don't go through the process correctly, you will not get the right results. I have never baked before and I will never try. So I either go to, I mean, a place where it is ready made and it's nice because I can't do it. I don't know the egg go first, the nutmeg second. And which type of flour they use. So I'll go and just pick one from Max and Spencer's. And I'm okay. And I'll eat my bread in peace. Why? I don't know how to do it. The same thing with things in life. And things for God. That is why he's saying first give yourself. If you give yourself. You'll be taught. You'll be trained. You'll be discipled. These days people don't want to be discipled. They just want to jump and run around. Oh, it is not quotations and it is not just saying Jesus loves you. Is it not? No, it's not like that. <laughs> it is that. You see this? The demons, the Bible said the demons jumped on them and beat them. Don't go and get a fight that you cannot fight. I need amen here. I want to put a safeguard around you so that you, you, you revere and respect the process of God. And also respect your men of God. I know we all do that. But please don't just crisscross and jump and try that. I can't do oppression. I can't open anybody's heart. But when it comes to spiritual dissection, I know demons. I see witches. I bind them and they bow down. And this is not something I just do only in our churches here. All over the world, whenever I stand, demons flee from people. Why? Because I gave myself holy first and I was trained. Any church that I've been, I was, <laughs> I was the cleaner of the church. Not, not official. I nominated myself as the cleaner. Because I gave myself. I didn't want people to come to church and the things were not arranged. So I'll go early, clean the place, arrange the chairs. Not looking for anybody to say thank you to me. Or to give me money or anything. No, 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 no. I've done it for God. Period. I'm done. Whenever they're studying, they are learning the, the word of God, I'll pay money and go and sit there and learn and to be prayed for. I give to ministers, especially those who are preaching in places. I know that the anointing of God. I'll empty my account and go and give it to them. No wonder the anointing came upon me. You see, it's not easy. It doesn't just happen. I know people want things cheap. You go to the you, you go to shops. We have you have different 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 types of shops. You you go to Primark. How much do you pay for a dress? Hello. You go to Max and Spencer's. How much do you pay for the same type of dress? Oh, you go to J Norman. How much do you pay? Selfridges. How much do you pay? Talk to me, somebody. Debenhams, go there. Why? Because they are designer. I'm hearing you. Talk to me. Yes. <laughs> they are designer, so they are expensive. And that is how it is. You want the best of God. Give yourself first. Please, yesterday I was telling them, God uses ordinary people, but then you have to give yourself first. Yes. Yeah, and then he will qualify you and make you extraordinary. Yeah. 
Amen. I want the anointing on us to go on some of you before I move on to the next stage. Until I see that some of you, in every church that I've pastored over the years, within a short time, God raises people who start operating just like me. And even some of them, God starts using them even outwardly more than me. And that makes me that this stage we have fasted. We need to go to the next. And that is why I've selected just a few of you. Come, let's spend time. Let's spend time. So that God will take the anointing on his, his humble servant and put it on you. So that we can, uh, we go to places. Let's say I'm going to, uh, uh, let's say, uh, Portugal to go and preach. And I say, oh, some of you who are free, let's go. And then we go and then I will sit down and I say, ah, you please lay your hands on the people. And they are falling under the anointing. And then you see that, hey. The thing that God has been using Bishop to do, God, why? Because you have given yourself first. I'm staying here more because if we get you here right, the rest is not going to be difficult. These days, we, we reserve ourselves too much. We want easy, easy believism. Easy believism. Say easy believism. Easy Amen. There's nothing like that. We need to be sacrifices that God will, will receive us and feel us and anoint us and use us. Somebody say amen. amen. It, is, it, it, is, it is members that do the work of the ministry. It's not the pastors. We train you so that you will do the work of the ministry. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Ephesians 4, 11. That is what the Bible says. So number five, he says, another first again. Give first place to God in your life. It's almost the same, so I will not speak too much about that. But in 1 Corinthians, let, let's read the scripture. 1 Corinthians, oh sorry, 1 Kings. This is when the prophet went to the house of a woman that was really struggling. She was struggling. She was very poor and she was in debt. 1 Kings chapter 17. Let us let the miracles of God happen in our lives. God wants to bring the miracles into manifestation in our lives. God doesn't change. But then we must do the first things first. To commit God and see if God has changed. He has not changed. But now we, we are rationalizing too much. We are rationalizing. It'd be like we believe even the lying politicians more than God. You believe the lying politicians. Like, let's, let's say if we mention somebody like, I mean, Boris Johnson. You believe Boris Johnson's words more than Jesus. You believe Donald Trump, who has lied and lied and lied and even lied and pushing even his children into prison. You believe him even more than Jesus Christ. It's strange. Where we are standing is very delicate. The Bible says that getting to the end times, people will not endure sound doctrine. You see, he has put the sound. Sound. Not every doctrine is sound. He's talking about sound doctrine. The teachings must be sound. That means it must agree with the entire teachings of the Bible. That is what we mean, sound teaching. From cover to cover, it must be the main thing that God is saying, let me tell you, I was telling them that when it comes to interpretation of the Bible, you see, 
Everything God says has only one meaning. Only one meaning. So I can't say that, oh, this one is here, so you can let it be like this. It's application that can change. But when it comes to the original meaning, it's the same. It's just like, I mean, I write a letter to you. I mean, the meaning from my mind is one and the same thing. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 13. Verse 13. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. She was living in hardships. She was in debt. She was in bondage with her child. They were very, very, very poor. And they had only a little flour that will cook food for only two people. That is the woman and the son. So that the following day, they will have nothing to eat. He says, go and do. Note it. Go and do as I have said. But make me a small cake first. He said what? Make me a small cake first. This is the prophet of God. You have gone to the house. And in the house... The woman is saying that what I have, it can feed my son and myself so that from tomorrow, we will not have anything to eat till we die. And then you tell the woman that God is telling you that you should go and first make food for you first. Meaning you are eliminating one person. It's either the woman or the son should not have anything to eat. If in our time you are not careful, you say, oh, what a greedy prophet. This is greediness. It's just something that you, you rationalize, you cut yourself from miracles. Note it carefully. He said, go and make and then first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. Meanwhile, the woman has told you that what I have can feed myself and my son alone. And you are saying, give it. This is when we put God first. And you know, when you take time, read the whole of the 17 and see what happened. After that, there was abundance. The woman obeyed. That no, I'll do what God is expecting from me. I'll beg for his servant first. And let's see. As soon as she did that, God opened the portals of heaven. And abundance, the windows of heaven were opened over her. And there's a flow. If you reason, oh, I don't have enough. So there's no need for me to do the first things first. God is expecting to come into your life with unusual miracle. I thought everybody is going to shout amen. 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 We serve God so that, that that factor of the miracles can happen in our lives. Let us not talk ourselves out of miracles. When you are put in a tight corner, still do God first. Still put God first and see what God will do. We have examples from the Bible which does not fail to show that if we put God first, God also surprises us. Miracles flow when we give the first place to God. Most of us, we do it. And then when we start getting the things that we need miraculously, then somehow we want to do things that will stop the flow. Don't let the, stop, the flow stop. Let the flow increase more. Let it increase more because God wants to use you as a blessing to many. God wants you to be a blessing to many people. That is why he has put you in that condition that you find yourself. Thank God. 
that in the beginning we didn't keep ourselves to ourselves. That God has used us to reach nations, to reach countries, to reach people who were in bondage and in chains. And now he has released them and they are also being used for the glory of God. It's all because we took God's word first and we put God first. We gave ourselves first and then whatever God asks from us, we put him first and we will continue to do that until his glory fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. He wants his glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But then he needs people who will do his first things first so that God will rise up to the occasion and step into the arena of the activities of man and demonstrate his glory and his presence. Let us not shorten the hands of God. The hands of God are not short. But God is expecting that we put him first in everything that we do. Six. He says, first, show spirituality to the people who are close to you. Show spirituality to the people who are close to you. In this, as we, uh, the English, I mean, Proverbs says that charity begins at home. Start your sharing of the word with the people who are close to you. That is your Jerusalem. Start there. Share. Be patient with the people around you. Show the love of God to the people around you. In your home. Be a gentleman. Be a lady in your home to the people who are close to you. Show love first to the people who are close to you. Before you take it out. If you qualify home, God will let your light shine from home to outside. And begin to affect people. There are some people they don't have time for the people who are close to them. They condemn the people who are close. Oh, I've told them the scriptures, the word so much. They, they, they don't want to believe. No, 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 no. Have patience. First, let your spirituality be seen to the people who are close to you. In your workplace. Let your light shine there. Among your family members. Don't let it be that when you meet your family members who are not Christians, then you also stop. You can't even talk about Jesus. You can't even talk about the word of God because you think, oh, these people. I'm not saying go and be in, the, in your face, that type of thing. Always condemning people and quoting scriptures here and there. That even when you cook food for people, you have to put a quotation under the plate. No, no, no. That will drive people away. That is, that is the spirit of religion. That is not spirituality. But spirituality is when it flows through you. They see it practically in your life. Practically. You exemplify it. And then before you see, it's affecting those who are around you. It's so beautiful. It begins to spread. And it's not because you are throwing quotations all around. But it's because you are living it. You are demonstrating it. Not in a deceitful manner. But because it has become an integral part of you. It's your second nature. And it flows just like that. And it begins to make impact. Seven and the last one. This is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. 
I intentionally reserved this for the last. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added to you. Seek ye first. Let's all say it together. Seek ye first. Let me hear you. Let's all say it together as we are finishing. Seek ye first. The kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all other things shall be added to me. Amen. This is placing a strong emphasis. It's a summary of all that we have spoken about. Cleansing the inside of the cup removing the first the beam out of your eyes, making reconciliation with people that you have issues with or people who have issues against you, putting yourself first on the altar of God and placing God's life first in your life, showing spirituality in your home first and also finally seeking the kingdom first. It's a summary of everything. If your life pursues the agenda of God, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says he himself will add everything that you need in your life to you. Please remember, if we break it down, it means that we should seek God first every day. When you get up in the morning, let the first part of your day be given to God. And also, it means that in the first day of the week, which is Sunday, the first day of the week, set it aside for God. And also, the first month of the year, you set it aside for God. If this becomes a repetitive thing in what you seek and practice in your life, it will filter into every area of your life. And God will be seen as first in your life, in everything you say and do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Church, let us pray briefly before we share the grace and go. That God, help me. We all know that the Bible makes it clear that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So let us pray that as we have heard, God should make us able, not that we only hear it and become forgetful hearers. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you, God, about the power of your word, God. You will enable us, oh God. Amen. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. He is a great healer. And I just want to share that I, I signed up with a doctor this week. You have to sign up with a surgery. And they asked me about 50 questions on the form. And I took no, no, no to all the questions. <laughs> so I praise God for that. I think I took yes to just one question. So, so that wasn't too bad. We thank God that he's a healing God. He renews our he refreshes us, you know, he makes each day a new day, and he gives us a reason for living. Amen? Glory Amen. to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. And I want to thank the bishop because he's been preaching to us now for so long. And every Sunday he gives us a rich word. It's very rich, much better than lots of other pastors, believe you me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We honor you, Bishop. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Vance, for your kind words. And bless you, church, for continuously standing with the vision that God has embedded in my heart. It has not been easy. We've been through so many challenges, but our God is always faithful. So God bless you all for joining the service this morning. I want us to uh, go into a new topic. I started it at the other church. I'm talking of, I mean, in London, but I couldn't preach. I was more in the prophetic. I only did a quick prophetic preaching, and then I went into demonstration for the brief period that we were there. But today, I want to take my time to teach it, if only the Holy Spirit will grant me the ability. I'm speaking on the topic, Christ, our safeguard. Christ, our safeguard. You see, the word safeguard, uh, these days you go to uh, most workplaces, I mean, they have, I mean, safeguard rules that they have put pasted there that every worker must, I mean, acquaint themselves with and uh, make sure that they operate within, I mean, I mean, the safeguard, I mean, rules that, that are set in place. Uh, in effect, is I mean, what in, in, in physical, what they're trying to do is to make sure that all the uh, working places are in, I mean, very conducive, I mean, atmosphere, so that what we do there will be done, I mean, uh, effectively, uh, in an excellent manner, uh, without, I mean, to the detriment of, or to the head of anyone. So uh, I think uh, that's what Pastor Vince does. Pastor Vince is a quality assurance, uh, in some places they call it, quality control or quality assurance. And when they are in a, in a workplace, what they do is they make sure that uh, the operation is within, I mean, safe, I mean, environment, I mean, and boundaries. And if we bring it to uh, our lives in Christ, I want you to know that in Christianity, Jesus Christ is your safety net. I thought you were going to say amen. Amen. Jesus Christ places a boundary, a perimeter, a constant watching eye over you that he will not allow anything disastrous to come near you. But just us in our various workplaces, we need to make sure that our oppression is within the same garden rules, the same thing with Jesus. If only you take his what he says and his prescriptions right, and you operate and you operate or you abide within the set confines that Christ has stipulated, I can guarantee you that no matter how this world becomes dangerous, you and your household will be protected and will be preserved by Christ. It doesn't mean that 
we will not go through challenges. I always, at times, the, the challenges come to let you know that Christ is your safeguard. Because if you don't have anything to test, how will you know that of a truth? The Jesus who lives in you, the Jesus who died and rose victoriously over the grave and death and taking the keys of the kingdom from the hands of the devil and transferring it to us has indeed risen for your good and risen and is watching over you and is risen and is working for your good to protect you. That is why flames of fire will come. That is why fire will come. That is why we go through the valley period. But then he says, Lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age and nothing will hurt you or harm you. Meaning Christ is your safeguard. So when things happen, let's learn to remember that, hey, I'm in this with Christ and Christ has all power. Christ has all ability. Christ has all resources. And if it requires that Christ should do a miracle, a supernatural intervention, Christ will do it. So today I want you to know that as we go on, let this word sink into the very fiber of your being that I have a protective shield. I have a watchman that watches over me. I have a strong bodyguard that no demonic power can invade and destroy. It doesn't matter how fierce the fire or the torment or the storm will come. I have a safeguard in Christ. I want us to read a scripture about uh, uh, Apostle Paul and take some lessons from it and progress from there. Uh, we, I'm reading from Acts chapter 27, verse 20 to 25. Acts 27. Verse 20 to 25. Let's hear the word of God as I read from the New King James Version. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, no small tempest beat on us. All hope that we should be saved was finally given up. Note that all hope that we should be finally saved was what? Giving up. After long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, not to have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart. Glory to God. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night, noted, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve. There stood beside me this night, an angel of God, to whom I belong, the God I belong. And the God I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, 
Amen. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Somebody say amen. amen. You see, uh, when Paul was being, uh, he was arrested and was tried from, I mean, one courthouse to another, uh, I mean, uh, and then he appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen, and then he was put as a prisoner uh, of the gospel, and he, they boarded a ship with other people in it to set sail, because in those days, if a Roman citizen appeals to Caesar, you can't try him anywhere. You have to take him to, I mean, the court of Caesar. So being a Roman, though he was born a Jew, but because he had become a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar. And then, so whilst they were going, they got to a, a place in Asia and then uh, in Crete. And then he told them, because he had a revelation that they should wait there for some time. But because they thought that you, you, you are a prisoner, who are you to come and tell us what to do? I mean, we, we've been sailing for, the captain said we've been sailing for a, a long time. We know, I mean, uh, when the storms are going to get fierce and I mean, because we are sailing uh, uh, whatever, uh, I mean, degrees nautical north or whatever it is. And then, so you can't tell me because I'm a man of experience of, I mean, of sailing on the sea and you can, uh, you can come and tell me as a prisoner uh, what I should do. So, I mean, they all agreed against the prophetic direction, against the word that God revealed to his man servant. And they set sail from Crete. But then whilst they were going from Crete, the winds changed. The, the storms changed direction and started to face them in a head-on collision. And I mean, in fact, I mean, they started throwing some of the things on the ship to lighten the ship. Most of the things they were, I mean, the precious, I mean, goods that they were going to sell, they, they threw it into the sea in order for them to become light so that they don't sink. And I mean, it started, the water started coming in and it's almost like they were, Paul said that they, they, they were so much afraid to the point that because some of parts of the ship were, were, get, were, were breaking and I mean, and I mean, it was getting destroyed. So, I mean, they, they all concluded, they said their last prayers because they all knew that they would not be saved. And that is, I like how he phrased it, that all hope of being saved were lost. There are times that we go through things that if you're not careful, when you begin to calculate with your mind, with your heart, you see that you cannot in any way see your way through. You cannot make any head and tail of what you are going through. But I'm here to let you know that your life does not depend on you. Your life is in the hand of your safeguard. And your safeguard is Christ. And if your safeguard calculates and he says that I will hold you, I will guide you. I will preserve you. It doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter what the forecast says. It doesn't matter the human predictions. It doesn't matter what the doctors are saying. If your Savior says, nothing is going to happen to you, I can guarantee you that the creator of life, the sustainer of life, will see you through and bring you to the other side. So when they were... At the point of thinking that oh, we will not be saved, Paul went into fasting. Even the unbelievers went into fasting. And even some of them at the point, they didn't have any food in the ship to eat. But everything, so they were forced into forced fasting. But Paul said, after long abstinence from food, you see, your spiritual exercise must not be taken lightly. 
your time of prayer, your time of fasting, your time of reading of the word must not be played with because this is where we generate strength from our same God Christ. Your time of coming together under the banner. He says we should not forsake the coming together of the brethren as the days are approaching. You know, because obviously, I mean, for the sake of convenience, and uh, I mean, in the new norm, we can do church on Zoom, which is equally the same. But then when we decide to come together so that God's presence and power will be felt uh, under his direction, please don't exempt yourself. Make sure that you are there in the presence of God. For God to infuse you with, I mean, new strength of his presence. You see, last, last two weeks, I was telling you that we there is if you truly want to serve God it will cost you something it will cost you time it will cost you energy it will cost because you are living sacrifice you see when they used to kill animals when they take them I mean the, the cost of the sacrifice was that the animal would die and be bent but in our time we are living sacrifice we are alive but we are still a sacrifice unto God. So your time, your energy, your resources does not belong to you. It belongs to God. So if within the sequence of time, God demands that you sacrifice something of you that you need to, maybe your time, make sure that you don't hold back from God. Because he is your safeguard. He knows why he's directing you that way. He told them not to move from Crete. But because they were calculating and using their human mind. Please don't let your human calculations and your human mind deprive you from engaging with God the way that he wants you to engage with him. Things change when God gives a direction. If there is no direction, we can do as it seems good to us. But then as soon as your safeguard says, no, not this direction. Uh, rather, uh, go east, not west. Uh, go north, not south. Please make sure that you give him, you give him that place. Because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows why he's directing you that way. So they did not heed. And now, hope of being saved is totally gone. Totally gone. And now Paul gets a visitation and in the visitation a messenger is sent to stand and to bring him the word of God and he says the God you belong and the God you serve has sent me to tell you that because of you nobody in the ship will lose their lives I can stand here alone and go on and on and on but I, I don't want to bore you too much you see, all the people in the ship were being saved because of who? Talk back to me. Be because of who? Because in the physical, it was because of Paul. Because Paul was serving God and Paul belonged to God. And because of Paul, God has exempted the rest of the people from death. You see, God sends messengers to us. As I was telling you the other day, I don't want to overstate this. Don't get overly familiar with your ministers. One word from a minister who is genuinely anointed, 
can turn your destiny and your struggles around. Hallelujah. One, just a word of guidance. There's a word of prayer. There's a word of prophecy. There's a word of inspiration. I know that has been perversion. Yes, I know that we are all priests and we are all sons and daughters of God and children of God and kings and queens unto God. But still, within the scheme of affairs, He has given us the fivefold ministry. And the fivefold is to train the entire body of Christ for the work of the ministry. So, because uh, with these people, I will exempt them a little bit because they saw Paul as a prisoner, a crazy man who is preaching the gospel. But you, with you, is different. You have testimonies of what God has done through his guidance in your life, either personal guidance or a word through, I mean, an inspiration in the church or a word through your bishop or a word through a man of God or a woman of God, which has done something specific in your life. So you know how valuable this is. Please, let me say this. Let us not be people that when we are, we are in struggle, whatever God will say, we will do. But when it starts going well with us, then we become the masters of our own lives. Don't be the captain of your life. Because when you sleep, you lose control. And it is the God you serve and the God you belong to who keeps you and brings you back to life. If God says tomorrow, I will not let you move, you, you, you remain bedridden and you can't get up. But thank God that he is a God of love. So please let us maximize our ability to receive from God. How do we maximize our ability to receive from God? We maximize our ability to receive from God by doing what he says we should do. Simple. He is not requesting for much from us. And remember, us is costing you. It's cold, but you are going through it. It is it is your sacrifice. Yes, you can remain under the duvet the whole day. But it is your sacrifice. It is your sacrifice that you get up. And when we say we are meeting here, you are there to support the kingdom advancement. It takes people to do everything. And let us be committed to what God has entrusted to us. Last two weeks, I, I, I was telling you about this. Please, what he has committed to us, let us do it and do it well. This is what we call the work of God. In the grave, there is no work to be done for God. While there's breath in us, let us do what we can do. And don't wait and sit behind and then later, when God glorifies himself and he says, Oh, I was part of it, but at a point I thought it was not going to work anymore. So I tiptoed or I was on the sidelines just watching them. No, be part of it. As I always say, you are either part of the solution or part of the problem. There is no middle way. Don't forget this. I'm either part of the solution or part of the problem. There is no middle way. So now Paul speaks what God spoke to him. That because I belong to a God and because I serve a God, he says he has spared your lives. Because I'm going to testify before Caesar. It was God's way. He was going through the courts and being tried so that God will use it as a means to reveal Jesus to them. That is why at times through negative circumstances, Christ will be working to bring himself into the manifestation of the lives of people. What a God we serve. 
What a friend we have in Jesus. Church, to cut it short, eventually they reached and Paul went before. That is why in John chapter 10, verse 24 to 29, Jesus emphasizes once again that those that the Father has given to me, nothing can take them from my hands. Those that the Father has given to me, because Christ is your safeguard, nothing can snatch them away from my hands. Because why? Then he puts the reason there. Because my sheep know my voice, and they hear my voice, and no stranger will they follow. It's a there's a connection between remaining in the safeguard and your preparedness to listen to the voice of God and doing the voice of God. When it becomes just you just saying, oh, I know Jesus, I know Jesus is good, and you don't listen to his voice and do it, that is religion. You are paying lip service. That is not relationship. That is religion. Let's say you, you, you have a husband, you have a boyfriend, you have a girlfriend who comes around and always saying, oh, oh, sweetheart, I love you, sweetheart, I love you, sweetheart, I love you. But there is no exchange of anything. There is no interaction. I mean, when you need a person to help you, the person is not available. When you need a person to do that, you question this. I say, well, what do you mean by you love me? There is no any correspondence. There is no any reciprocity of, I mean, expression of, or there's no any pragmatic, I mean, I mean, uh, 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 display of your, your verbal articulation. Your verbal articulation says that you love me, but there is no any practical proof of it. We cannot say. Uh, that's why the scripture says that if we say we love God and we don't do what he says we do, we are hypocrites. Hello? So for us to stay in the safeguard or the confines of Christ, he makes it clear that we need to be sure that what he tells us, and at times what he says may seem like complex, may not seem straightforward, but if you and I obey it, it will bring us to a place of safety. I want us to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength. This is Paul emphasizing what they experienced in Asia. This is when they were going about preaching Christ. He says, the trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. You see, in Christ, in doing the will of God, at times, you will come out of strength. You will have a burden beyond measure. And if you are not careful, you begin to despair even of your very existence. And listen, verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves. When God does that, he's trying to let you know that you don't keep yourself. You don't protect yourself. You don't provide for yourself. 
I'm the one who provides for you. I'm the one who watches over you. I'm the one who guides you. I'm the one who breathes in you. I'm the one who makes your hand move. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. He says that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. The word deliver, deliver has been used three times in just two sentences. And, and the question is, why did God deliver them? Why is God delivering them? And how, why is it that God is going to deliver them? Because he is our safeguard. Church, our safety is a priority for God. It's a priority. When you are going through things where you cannot trust Human resources, you cannot trust yourself anymore. He says, I will deliver you. Amen. I have delivered you. And I'll continue Amen. to deliver you. Amen. There are seasons that we will have this Asia overburdening experience in our lives as we work with God. I'm using it just as, a, as an idiom. That it will seem like you've come to a moment like that in your life. But then in all, remember that we have Christ as our safeguard. Never forget when the whole world is in despair, when the whole world is in confusion and turmoil, remind yourself that I've been delivered, I am being delivered, and I shall be delivered. Amen. Because Amen. my safeguard is the creator of the universe. His Amen. name is Jesus. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. And he has all resources at his disposal. Let me quickly take you through. And you can write the scriptures down and later you can read them. God saves us from the following. There is, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, God's wrath is about to come. A time will come, the love of God will come to an end. When the grace period or the church period comes to an end, God's grace of saving will come to an end. And that is the wrath. We will enter into the wrath period. And in that period, God will be judging the world. God will bring in retribution upon those who have become rebellious to what he has been saying and to those who did not accept Jesus. But then Christ saves us from the wrath to come. If you are in Christ, the wrath has nothing to do with you. It will not come near you. It will not come near your dwelling place. It will not come near your family because Christ will save you from the wrath to come. The next is found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 12, 13, and 14. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. The Bible, I'm paraphrasing, the Bible says that, Cursed be the one 
who hanged on the tree or on the cross that the blessings of Abraham will be passed on to the Gentiles. All the curses of the past and all the curses that anyone can issue against you, Christ has taken it already to the cross. So curses will not have any influence over you if only you allow Christ to be your safeguard. Amen. By heeding to what he says written in the word, to what he says as a rima that comes to you or as a prophetic guidance or a word that he inspires on your heart. Three. Christ saves us from the power of sin. He saves us from what? The power of sin. You see, he has broken the influence of sin. But we are not removed from the presence of sin. That is why we still have temptations, we still have challenges, because we are still in the presence of sin. A time will come that he will remove us entirely from the presence of sin as well. But then the power of sin, you can live without doing anything wrong against God. If only you allow his word to dwell in you richly. Because the power of sin has been broken. It was broken when Jesus went to the grave and came back to life. The stink of sin and of death and the power of the grave has been broken. Has been destroyed. So Christ saves us. Don't tell me that, oh, oh, Bishop, I don't know why uh, I, I can't live right. No, because you are not applying the word correctly. Because you are not, I mean, because you are putting yourself in, in, in tempting situations. Let me tell you, we, we all have things in us that if you put yourself in tempting situations, you will sin. Every one of us, you will sin. But then the influence for the sin to continue, to continue to torment you, to harass you, and to hold you in bondage, Christ has broken that power. So if you know how to walk carefully, he saves you from the power of sin. For Christ saves you from wicked and devilish people. I want you to say this with me. He said, Christ saves me. Let me hear you say, Christ saves me from wicked and devilish people. Please listen to me. All of us, from our family, to the world around us, to the places we work, to the churches we attend, we have wicked and devilish people around us. And Christ is the only one. Some of them, the way they laugh with you and the way they, at times they do good things physically to you, if you are not careful, you will not know that they are wicked and devilish people. It will take only Christ to save you from that pernicious influence, from their dangerous undercover attacks to destroy you, to ruin your destiny. Let me tell you, in your workplace. Let me tell you, in your families. I've seen some families that 
they don't want people who are, especially those who are saved, to get committed, to get serious with God. When you become like a desicle and you are lukewarm and you are with them and you are not showing your Christ-likeness, they like it. Because when, when you become tenacious and you love God and you persist in the things of God, the good things you do in Christ convicts them. And the devil will want them to do things to pull you away so that you also get back to your hold and your fold. But remember, what you do in Christ is a route for Christ to reach out to them and to snatch them also from destroying themselves, from being destroyed by demons, and from being destroyed by the world. That is why you need to persist so that Christ will save you from the wicked and devilish people. I can tell you, there are people in church, they go to church, when they see that you are getting committed, you are supporting the church, you are especially also when you are being good to, to the ministers, and especially, let me say this here, to your bishop, they can come call you and say things to you to confuse you about your bishop, about your men of God, about your church, so that you will stop the good things that you are doing. They are demonic. They are wicked and devilish people. But then, it's only Christ who can save you from that. I mean, at times, when we say that there are devilish people in church, when you are naive, you think, oh, everybody who says hallelujah is a good person. No, hallelujah is only just a language. Even the devil says hallelujah. Witches say hallelujah. Witches pray in tongues. You have to discern to know that this one is a witch praying in tongues. Say amen. amen. I'm telling you, there are wicked people around us in your family. I'm telling you, there are people in your family who do incantations and get into some rituals to destroy you. Shit. Unless God, through Jesus, opens your eyes to know that you have a brother, you have a sister, and that brother and the sister are demons. Amen. It can be even your mother. It can be your father. Amen. Yeah. At times, these spirits take control over them against their will. So when they are doing it, they do it because they are being Tormented to do it. So please be careful. But Christ says us. This is not to put fear into you. According to Psalm 118 verse 6 and 7. Christ delivers us. From wicked and devilish people. That is why you need to allow your safeguard to be in place. And to be close by you. Where am I? Five isn't it? Five. Christ saves us from the cares of this life. There are a lot of cares. There are a lot of hardships. There are a lot of bondages. There are a lot of bills. There are a lot of things that we have to, I mean, deal with. But remember, if you position yourself correctly within, Christ will provide. Amen. He will provide. Philippians 4.19 says, My God, and remember, before proceeding, if you read it in context, it was as the Philippians had given out of their poverty. 
And because they sacrificed out of their hardships, they did not consider the hardships that they were in, but they had given to support the work of God. And then this prediction or this promise came, my God shall supply all your needs according to your riches in glory through Christ Jesus. So if this, this works for those who give out of need, out of burden, and they still support. You see, at times, as I always say, I wonder why God has all power, but he doesn't send us money from heaven for us to use it to do his work, but he wants us to use, to collect it from his people, who at times have a lot of cares in this world. It's a test of faith. It's a test of love. It's a test of your obedience. So that God will surprise you. Amen. By supplying the riches in heaven. Amen. Let me let, let me give you this simple testimony on this before I finish. You know what? No. Last Saturday, I was there. I received two phone calls from a Ghana number with a name. So I knew the person who was trying to call. And I was driving. So, But then as soon as I parked, he called again. And I picked the call. And he, he was he was he was in a rush. And I said, he's, he's a very renowned prophet in Ghana. Who's member? And then I said, son, why? Why are you calling this about the third time? I was going to call you back. And he said, Papa, I can't wait. I can't wait. I said, why? He said, please, I know you, you are in UK, but can you send people to my church tomorrow Sunday? And I said, why? Why? And he said, because the Lord has spoken to me that I should give you a 2020 model infinity car. Amen. I've not spoken to him for a long time. He called. So I sent my pastors in Accra, and they went. And then he added 500 million cities. Amen. And he told the people that when I had never worn shoe, it was my father who gave him my first shoe. When I'd never worn coat, he gave me suits, not just suits. Yeah. Amen. The suit Amen. that I used for my wedding, he gave it to me. He bought my wedding rings. Amen. Amen. And even Amen. the wedding gown that my wife used, he bought it. So Amen. this that I'm doing Amen. is even small. And he presented it to them. They took it to Accra and then they, they called me and I said, keep it. I'm coming when I come. With all the papers and everything. The money, they put it in my account. The Ghana City account. Already. You look at it and you know that God says, I will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Those days, when I was doing those things, it wasn't that I, I had abundance. Yeah. I was literally taking it from my mouth to give it to them. Because the point is, I can't eat whilst they are living without food. I sacrificed. You people know. With the pastors that I brought here and everything. Do you know that all the pastors, Prince, the, the, when he landed from New Zealand, I gave him his khaki. So he started driving the first day that he landed here. I don't, at one of his birthdays, I presented the khaki, although he had not passed his test. But I gave him a car. So you look at all these things and then you, you, you say that, I mean, I, 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 will, I will give even in hashes. Because my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Amen. Jesus. Remember, Christ saves us from the cares of this life. 
Amen. Also, he makes it clear in Matthew 6, verse 25 and 26. Finally, Christ saves us from the dread of death. From the fear of death. These days, so many people are afraid of death. That is why they are chasing all these false pastors. They are calling them. And then they are giving them prophecies. Oh, you are going to die. Somebody is going to kill you. Let me tell you, if you know Christ as your safeguard, even if somebody sees this and they tell you, you are not moved. You are not going to send any money for them to go and do any country. You will just pray and give thanks to God in your church. And God will preserve and protect you. Because let me tell you, he has been watching over you all this. And, and also, if my time comes now, no prayer can stop it. Amen. The same thing. So we should not be afraid of death. But rather, we should know that Christ saves us from the fear and from the attack and from influence of premature death. It is premature death that we are praying against. But even that, how many people can save themselves from the attack of death. I've seen people, they see a car going into accident. You see it, you say, hey, hey, driver, driver, driver. But then still, they will, they're watching, they can't do anything, and then the car will hit, and then they will die. You can't save yourself from death. It's only Christ who can save you from death. Church, as we are concluding, I want us to read First Corinthians to reinforce, to buttress this factor that Christ saves you from death and the influence of all that death can bring against you. You are preserved. You are protected. Amen. God cares for you. He's watching over Amen. you. His power is working on your behalf. Amen. That you will live your full years here on earth. That no demon, no spirit, no witchcraft, no charm, no spell can be cast against you to die before your time. You will finish your assignment here on earth. And you will go home peacefully after you have finished what God has placed you here to do. Don't be afraid and become subservient to these quack and fake prophets. There are some prophets, all that they see is that somebody is going to die in your family. They don't see anything good about you. They don't see anything about your destiny. They don't see any good things that God is... It's the good things we want. The bad things, Christ is taking care of them. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, in finishing, I want us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 through 57. So when this corruptible has put on, corruptible means that which is able to perish, which is our bodies, has put on incorruption. And this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Note it. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you cannot remember anything, remember the 57. It says, thanks be to God, who gives us the victory. The victory over death. The victory over the grave. The victory over sin. The victory over demons. He gives
gives us victory. Why? Because Christ is our safeguard. May God continue to preserve and keep us and cause us to remain in him to see the full manifestation of his goodness in our lives. God bless you. Bishop? Yes. Would you kindly um, recap on the scriptures? Oh, okay. Let me give you the quotation so that you can take your time and read it later. Is, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 to 57. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 to 57. God bless you and God's 